attention, attention all personnel. It's MASHCAST. Hello and welcome to MASHCAST, the show that analyzes and celebrates, episode by episode, the greatest TV series of all time, MASH, which aired on CBS from 1972 to 1983. Proud member of the Fire and Water Podcast Network, I am once again your host, Corporal Captain Rob Kelly, and joining us to start off Season 3 of MASHCAST in the VIP tent, once again, Lieutenant Colonel Sean Myers. Hi, Sean. At ease, Kelly. <laughs> I'm, I'm always at ease uh, when I'm talking with you, Sean. Uh, this is so exciting. We're here. We're, we're beginning season three of MASH. Everybody's, I, everybody's been waiting for me to bring this show back, and I've been excited to, to kind of get this going again. So it's really cool because, uh, as I have mentioned on previous uh, episodes, season three, I think, is – uh, one of the best seasons of the show ever. So I am just so excited to finally be talking about these episodes. What is your general view of season three in, in total? Um, I like season three. My my favorite mashes are still to come. Um, spoiler alert: my favorite character of all time is BJ Honeycutt. Like I just, okay. I just absolutely love him. Um, I like the over. I like um with him and Potter and Winchester. Like those three are my favorite characters. Gotcha. Um, okay. Now, obviously, I still love Mash. These episodes are great. I laugh so much during this episode. But but further along is my my favorite season. All right. Well, he said that. I look forward to. Excellent. So, well, let's get right into it. We're talking about season three, episode one, "The General Flipped at Dawn." The original air date September tenth. 1974, written by Jim Fritzell and Everett Greenbaum, remember those names, directed by Larry Gelbart. Yet another new general, Bartford Hamilton Steele, assumes command in Korea, overseeing, among other things, the 477th. He issues a series of orders involving stricter dress codes and daily calisthenics, which makes Hawkeye and Trapper roll their eyes in contempt. Henry tries to get them to take all this seriously, and his worry is only exacerbated when Steele announces he will be visiting the 477th and staying there for a week. General Steele, played by Harry Morgan, arrives, and he is a bellicose, by-the-book type of guy. He snaps at Henry for not following formation exactly, and then has Henry assemble the troops for inspection. He inspects Frank, Hot Lips, Radar, and Father Mulcahy, each finding uh, fault with them in, in uh, different ways. Henry and Radar are panicked when they see Klinger, in his finest frockery, make a beeline for Steele. Klinger introduces himself to the general, who surprisingly responds with, Not now, Marjorie. I'm expecting the troops. Not the response Henry Radar or Klinger were expecting. Later that night, during inspection of the supply shed, Henry and Steele stumble upon Hawkeye and Nurse Baker on a date, ending with Hawkeye pretending to be a member of the press. Steele actually buys this story, and after further comments, it's obvious that Steele is nuts. They then make it over to the officers' club where they talk to Trapper and Chopper pilot Marty Williams, played by Teddy Wilson. He asks Williams how much gas he uses retrieving wounded from the front, and when he doesn't like the answer he gets, he says the 477th needs to be moved closer to the front. After scouting a new location for the unit with Henry and Frank, a location covered in heavy enemy fire, much to Steele's indifference, he and Hawkeye have another run-in on the chopper pad where Hawkeye commandeers it away from Steele so he can ship a wounded patient to Tokyo for further care. Steele calls Hawkeye insubordinate and insolent, to which Hawkeye responds, right, and you're nuts. Steele brings Hawkeye up on charges and puts together a formal hearing. He barks at the MP, brought along to skip through all the formalities and get to the charges. The first witness is Marty Williams, but before Williams can testify, Steele insists that Marty perform a number. When Williams and everyone else look dumbfounded, Steele insists a number, a musical number. You've got it in your blood, boy. Just let it out. 
Steele then breaks into Mississippi Mud, an old-timey song, dancing a jig around the mess tent. He gets so caught up in his performance, he dances right out of the tent and forgets about the entire thing. The MP sitting beside Steele grimaces, pecks up his paperwork, closes his satchel, and walks out without a word. Hawkeye and Henry surmise that this means the 47th Amendment is not leaving. Only Steele is, to which Hawkeye adds, in a rubber truck. Later, Stars and Stripes reports that General Steele has been promoted to a three-star and sent to the Pentagon. When Frank insists that he means Hawkeye and company were wrong about Steele being crazy, Hawkeye and Trapper and Henry sar- sarcastically agree, breaking into their own version of Mississippi mud and dancing out of the swamp. All right, Sean, so what do you think of this episode? I love this episode. Um, the reason I'm glad I got this episode, um, anytime you're a fan of classic TV, it's always so neat to see who was on the show. So, you know, I'm a fan of Barney Miller and Mary Tyler Moore and the Twilight Zone and all of those, and when even MASH, like all of those have stars before they were stars. So mm-hmm. MASH, of course, has Leslie Nielsen and John Ritter, Terry Garr, a whole bunch of other people. Uh, Twilight Zone had Robert Redford, William Shatner. Um, but this is such a distinct appearance because I'm trying to think of any other show where a guest star has then come on the show in a few seasons as a major reoccurring character. So much so, if anyone listening to this can think of an example, write into the comments section because I just I just find that so fascinating. Yeah, there must there must be other examples of that, but I'm I'm at a loss to think of one. But yeah, it, it, when I was a kid, I loved this episode simply because he gave me the chance to mm-hmm. look at Harry Morgan and McLean Stevenson in the same frame. Yeah. You know, I mean, outside of the cat from outer space, uh, you're really <laughs> not going to get a chance to do that. So it was, this is your one chance in a very, you know, roundabout way to see Colonel Potter and, and Colonel Blake in the same shot. And I know, I know um, Morgan was, you know, a fairly popular actor and I know he used to be on Dragnet, but right. did he, had he done comedy before? Do you know? Not a lot. Um, I mean, he had done a couple of um, – he was in the uh, Support Your Local Gunfighter uh-huh. and Support Your Local Sheriff movies with uh, James Gardner, and those those were comedies. But yeah, I mean, uh, I mean, his career to this point was, was you know, chock-a-black with very, very, um, uh, you know, uh, you know high-class kind of credits. I mean, some of his films include The Oxbow Incident, Inherit the Wind, which is one of my favorite mm-hmm. films of all time, High Noon – uh, you mentioned that he was in Dragnet. He was in How the West Was Won. He was in a lot of film noir. He's in a particularly great one called The Big Clock. So, yeah, he hadn't done – I mean, he was on the radio, and I know he had done some other um, sitcoms. So I think he did have some comedy in his background, but he was really, in a lot of ways, like a dramatic actor. And, you know, my God, does he crush this part as yeah. General Steele. Yeah, and and just – the, the I don't know the calibration, just the way they set him up, because you definitely think he's a hard case and you know he's with it and just so on top of it, and then just slowly by slowly, little by little, the little lines slip in, and you're like, what? <laughs> yeah, Harry Morgan had such that great voice, that you know that booming kind of voice. I mean, I love it when the scene where like Henry is walking behind Colonel Steele and and. Uh, He's he's walking, you know, like on the same pace as Steele, and Steele's like, uh, and he's like, sir, and he's like, I'm a little surprised, and he's like, he, then Henry f- assumes he's talking about the tag being ripped off his new fatigues, 
and he's like, sir, it just came off honestly. And then he just barks. He's like, uh, he's like, uh, something mounted left and a pace behind. And he's just like, he can like Henry Morgan, Harry Morgan, his name, his real name is Henry Morgan, by the way, he changed it. So he wasn't confused with a different, uh, actor already. Oh. Had that name. Um, yeah. If you look at his early credits, he's credited, he's credited as Henry Morgan. And then he changed it around, I think during the forties, but it's amazing. Like he, he was able to get that volume, uh, so quickly, and it's just that it, it, it's intimidating as hell. Until, of course, as we mentioned, when he gets to the scene with Klinger, where I mean, b- before that, obviously he's doing the whole thing where about he's telling uh, Frank to trim the hair in his nose, and he says, you know, put the put that down. N, what is N? Nostril. I'll know what it means. And he's like, you like, is th- is this guy like? Can this guy be for real? And then, of course, when he runs into Klinger, then we know, oh, okay, he's literally crazy. And I know we'll get to our favorite line at the end but my favorite harry morgan line reading is mash means mobile army <laughs> surgeon hospital a noble we shall be yeah. <laughs> i love that it's great i love that he i mean like, he really kills this part i mean it's he has this wonderful combination of as you said sort of scary but then like a little kid i mean the scene we're jumping around a little bit but in the scene where he discovers hawkeye and nurse baker in the supply tent and he starts talking about uh, dried prunes, and he says, uh, you know, best thing since the Gatling gun. And then he says that he says just talking about it, and he goes, "Where's the little general's room?" And he kind of crouches down like a little kid or something, like and, he has to go to the bathroom. And, and then he grabs his arm. Mm-hmm. It's it's such a great, it, it's such a wonderful little piece of of uh, of like bo- of character work mm-hmm. that he throws it in. You're like, yeah, he's sort of scary, but then he's sort of not. And of course, he has all these these weird um, quotes. That he's always, and I looked it up on IMDb and I said, if you notice, all the people that build, that steal quotes are people that lost, that lost great <laughs> battles. You know, he's always talking about people like Hannibal or whatever, and he's and he has all these weird. He's like uh, General Grant kept throwing up on his bugler. Like he has all these weird little details. You're like, how could any of this possibly be true? And then of course he's got the bit where he talks about sterilizing the tongue depressor. And I love that Henry's like, now that that's that's wood, General. That is full of germs. I don't even think you could sterilize wood. I just it's it it really is a brilliant comic performance, and it's it's the kind of thing where you could this episode. Is very, very funny. I mentioned it was written by Jim Fritzell and Everett Greenbaum. This is their first MASH credit. They would go on to write 24 more episodes of the show, including the classics Abyssinia, Henry, and Welcome to Korea, and Change of Command, which, of course, is the first episode with Colonel Potter. Oh, yeah. So these guys were just the pros, you know, when they brought these guys in uh, to do this. But this is the kind of show that I really think rises and falls by the performance of the guest actor because they just give him so much to do. And uh, there aren't a lot, at least to my knowledge, I have not seen a lot of MASH outtakes. Uh, they've, They've put them in specials here and there. But there is a clip from this one that you can find online where they're doing the scene where he's inspecting the troops. And at one point, Harry Morgan has some line and he barks it out, and there's this pause, and then Gary Berghoff just falls over laughing, and then and I think uh, I think he he falls into the arms of McLean Stevenson, who's laughing as well, because they just had such a tough time keeping a straight face around Harry Morgan. And I wonder too, I guess, did that that must have played into him getting the role of Potter? And you, yeah. you wonder how much of it is it, how much of it was his performance, but then also how much was it of him as a person? easy to get along with right you know, right be, be, being uh 
great with the rest of the cast. Yeah, he, right. He must have obviously – this is the kind of guy It's like, do we want this guy around every day? Mm-hmm. And obviously you would. Mm-hmm. You know I mean? He is that, that kind of thing. So, yeah, it's just a – whoever – decided to put him in this it's just fantastic because he did such a such an amazing job i do want to talk about some of the other actors in this episode teddy wilson who plays the chopper pilot uh he died unfortunately at only 47 which is very very young uh he has credits on shows like alien nation mama's family sanford and son you can't take it with you which also mm. featured in the cast harry uh harry morgan uh, he was on What's Happening. Uh, that I remember from What's Happening. Uh, he was in the film Cleopatra Jones. Uh, and the other major sort of – it's not major in terms of fame, but the other credit I noticed is that he was on the show Rollout, which was about an African-American uh, unit of soldiers. Uh-huh. Uh, and it was produced by Gene Reynolds. I mean it was it was definitely sort of like a companion show to MASH. It didn't last. I don't think it lasted beyond a season. But he was on that show as well, so I have to figure that – and Rollout was already off the air by the time this episode came around. So I have to figure that this is where Teddy Wilson you know, got noticed by Gene Reynolds uh, and that's got him, got him th- this role. And he's very funny. I like him as the chopper pilot. I love his reaction when uh, – what Harry Morgan says, you know, but first, a number. And there's this you – know, Teddy Wilson is this long and he's just, sir? It's <laughs> just like, what the hell are you talking about? Um, Dennis Erdman uh, plays the uh, uh, plays the uh, the the soldier. Uh, he was in shows like Barnaby Jones and the Mash spinoff BJ and the Bear. Uh, there was also he <laughs> <laughs> was uh, very, very very few people don't know that that's a spinoff of Mash. Um, and then Brad Trumbull uh, it was uh, in show. He played the um, the uh, the colonel that uh, that mm. comes in at the end. He was on shows like The Doris Day Show with McLean Stevenson, Mannix, Different Strokes, Mama's Family again, Golden Girls. Uh, so there's a, a bunch of great actors of this. But again, it's, this is all Harry Morgan's show. I mean, what? literally and figuratively. And too, I think that almost plays in like the pacing of. I don't know if it's. I don't know if I would say the pacing of the show. The conflict of the show doesn't really come in until the 22nd or 23rd minute of a 26 minute episode. That's when he has the run in with Hawkeye. That's when, you know, the tension comes and then he's court martialed like in the next minute. But up until then, it is just the showcase of how he's, you know, hard case and on it and then cracking up. Yeah. I love that he that he falls for Hawkeye's story so quickly where he says United Press <laughs> and he's like, Oh, a member of the fourth estate and he starts giving him like all these exclusives and he's like, uh, I'm sending my wife uh, a Jeep home for her birthday. It's in a large crate marked kitchen utensils. And then he kinda leans in conspiratorially and he's like, Don't mention that in your article <laughs> And Hawkeye and Hawkeye's pretending to write stuff down on a pad, which is fifty he's like, No, sir and then he even pretends to erase it too. And I love, I love that little detail. Like like he actually wrote it down, which is which is great. One great line when he says, it's steel with three E's, not all in a row. Not all in a row. <laughs> in, in my mind, he has said that line so many times to so many reporters, people he's spoken to. I, I just love that in my mind. He's said that so many times. <laughs> not, not all in a row. Uh, this show features a joke at the very uh, top of the show where uh, – they mentioned uh, that uh, that uh, Henry wants to see Hawkeye and Trapper in his office, and they say uh, 
this is the holiday. It's uh, Aaron Burr's birthday. And then uh, Radar says, who's Aaron Burr? And then Trapper says, the guy that shot John Wilkes Booth, <laughs> which, of course, is a, you know, just a complete mess up of history. And I love this little details that I was doing some research for this episode. And on IMDb, there seems to be a little bit of a uh, spy versus spy kind of debate among uh, IMDb commenters because this is what I found relating to that joke. So, because it's under list, it's listed under goofs, and it says Trapper states that Aaron Burr was the guy that shot John Wilkes Booth. This is impossible, as Burr died two years before the birth of Booth. However, Burr did shoot Alexander Hamilton in a duel. Then there's a follow-up comment from someone else who puts. Trapper is making a joke. It's not meant to be taken as literal fact. Such is the nature of comedy. I love that whoever these two commenters are, they really hate each other. I just love that. It's such a great little detail. He's just like, you idiot. He's making a joke, clearly. I love that. I love That's that great. That's a great little bit. Um, I mentioned, the, the, of course, the title of this episode is The General Flipped at Dawn. That is a... Uh, a gloss on a film called mm-hmm. The General Died at Dawn with yeah. Gary Cooper, who, as I mentioned, was in High Noon, of course, with Harry Morgan. Um, and it's sort of funny. I mean, we'll we'll talk about this in later episodes as, as, of course, Harry Morgan joins the cast in season four. But Harry Morgan had such a such a storied career and was in so many movies that end up being, getting mentioned on MASH in references. And I always wonder, it's like, did, did, did Harry Morgan get a chuckle out of that, that he was in so many of these things, you know, that like they're referring to in history? I mean, it's like – I mean, Gary Cooper how, was long passed away by the time they made this episode. He passed away in 1961. So, I mean, in, in sort of – you know, for the MASH writers, Gary Cooper is this, this legendary figure. And then you've got a guy on set who literally did a bunch of movies with him. And not just movies, but High Noon. Yeah. I mean, one of the great movies of all time. That's amazing. They had to have a good conversation that day. Oh, I've, I've said this in other episodes where I'm like, if I was, if I had ever been an actor, not that that was ever going to happen, but if I ever been one and I had been on a set with somebody who had been in like a classic movie, I would just be talking to them about that. You know, I'd be like, you got, I would be like, Mr. Morgan, please just tell me stories about Inherit the Wind. What was that like? What was it? You, you were in scenes with Spencer Tracy. What was that like? I mean, I'm sure that's probably very annoying, but I mean, I just would find that so fascinating. Oh, I agree. Yeah. Uh, they do make uh, – I know in the scene where um, Radar gets uh, – helps uh, Hawkeye get ready for his date, he makes another uh, short joke. Yeah. Uh, and that is not long for the show. This is – it will be this season later on that they get rid of the short jokes when Radar actively complains that they hurt his feelings. And I – knowing what's coming, when I see those scenes and, and Radar reacts – so hurt by it. It always bothers me. It always makes me feel like Hawkeye's being a little bit of a dick mm-hmm. that he makes those jokes. I mean, no, he's kind of kidding and they love teasing uh, Radar, but it always just seems a little mean, especially since how sweet Radar is and that he's he's helping Hawkeye get ready for his date. Like he got the, the saltines and the cheese and stuff. Like he's actually – and he's actively helping Hawkeye with a girl and then for his thanks, Hawkeye, you know, makes fun of him. It's like, geez, come on, man. I know it's like a big brother, you know, friendly kidding, that kind of thing. But I, But I am glad that they – group past that yes absolutely yeah absolutely uh so i mean it's um later oh i should mention um uh harry morgan uh was actually nominated for an emmy for this performance uh he did not win but but nevertheless he was nominated uh there's some other little details that i love when uh when the uh, everyone is in in line for inspection 
we see a guy behind mm-hmm. radar yep. in a turban. Yeah. And I like, who is that guy? Is he a member of the 477th? Or is he just like a visiting somebody? And when a general shows up, you have to follow information whether you're a member of the 477th or not. I saw that too. And I, I didn't know. If, and, and I looked for him in the rest of the episode. I didn't see him. And I had never seen him before. But yeah, I think that's definitely cool. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. It was like a nice little, nice little detail. I think that was, that was fun. Now, of course, uh, Frank completely goes along with everything that General Steele wants him to do because he's a general and he's a big kiss up or whatever. Uh, even, even talking about relocating the 477th. And the only time he even remotely, mm-hmm. um, goes against what Steele wants is, of course, the scene where they go out to look for the unit, uh, the new location for the unit, which, by the way, that scene is always cut in syndication. Uh, that's a scene I've never saw until I got the DVDs, but there's the thing where, where Steele wants to get a, uh, a salute and they say to him, no, we, you know, we shouldn't salute you here because there's snipers and, uh, you know, th- th- you're going to be, they're going to be able to figure out you're the commanding officer. And he's like, I, I want to salute. And they both salute him. Then of course the, f- yeah, then a sniper starts firing. And I love that Steele is not even remotely worried about that. Oh, like he yeah. just, he starts singing a song even as he climbs into the Jeep. He's just not, not concerned about his own safety at all. And he's taking time putting on his gloves. Mm-hmm. It's a really funny moment. I love that. And I have to, you know, the, in other episodes, they would talk about how 477 did get relocated to different places. I don't know. But, like, the place that they go, that looks like a horrible location to put the hospital because it's all rocks. Yeah. Like, yeah. why would you want – why would you – you can't you can't put roads in there. Like, in fact, there's this thing where he's walking around this gigantic boulder. I mean, it looks like the background that you saw in like uh, the the Gorn episode of Star Trek. They're like, this is this is the absolute worst place to put a hospital, which of course only you know falls in line with how bad kind of steel is at his job. When I think the water that he's talking about, I think that looks like a swamp. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't. It doesn't look like a stream or anything like that. Um, oh, you know what? Speaking of water, I'm glad you mentioned that. I didn't have it in my notes, but I did want to mention it because when I saw it, is this so this episode opens with. This whole bit where um, Radar is giving some sports announcements, mm-hmm. and he's talking about the the, the there's a mod, the, the model yacht race, right? Right, and then there's a joke about that they're going to have a model yacht race in the cesspool, and he says, uh, uh, you know, so and so finished first, so and so finished second, and then no one else finished because of a sudden undertow after breakfast, which of course is a you know a scatological joke, and I don't want to go too deep into this subject, but. How can there be a cesspool at the four seven seventh? Doesn't that require plumbing? Oh yeah, they don't have. Yeah, they just have outhouses right. at the yeah. four. I mean, basically the, the 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 latrine again. Not to be indelicate, everybody, but oh, the but latrine yeah. is just a bunch of holes oh, yeah. that you dig into the dirt and you put a board over it, and that's where people go to the bathroom. There is no running other than the the water tower, which helps run the water in the various sinks. There is no cesspool at the forest. There is oh, no yeah. underground plumbing. So that joke never made any sense to me. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I love later on when uh, when when Be- when Steel shows up at the, uh, the, uh, the the O Club. And I love that Trapper and, uh, and, and Warren Officer Martin Williams, as he calls him, they don't even bother to get up. They're playing a game with pretzel rods. That's- and they just let Steele come in, and, and then they, they don't even bother to acknowledge it, which I think is – I just love that moment of the Trapper just doesn't he – does, like, very much like Hawkeye, he doesn't bother acknowledging that this is a general just walked into the room. And I had that in my notes. So I watched the episode three times. I was kind of trying to pay attention. The pretzel game, is that is that basically like pickup sticks? Is that what they're doing? 
I'm guessing. I'm guessing that's what it is, that it's you have to lift a pretzel rod off the pile. And then if I guess if you drop it, you have to eat it or something, or maybe you don't get to eat it or something like that. But that's I always assume that's what they were doing. Okay, yeah, and I couldn't understand like is it a case of where you can't disturb the other ones? I, I don't know. Yeah, I I have, yeah, I have no idea what that what that's about. But again, I just love that he just doesn't acknowledge Steele at all. Um so later on when they do the the, the, the court martial, um there's a little it's it's I, it's a little uncomfortable, but it, it's it's, mm-hmm. it's worthy of mentioning. The song that Steele sings, which is the Mississippi Mud song, there are multiple versions of that song. And the version that Steele sings is implicitly kind of the racist version of that song mm-hmm. because the line he sings is the dark stand around and they all give a shout. Hey, hey, Uncle Bates, it's, it's a Beat to feature, it's a treat to beat your feet on the Mississippi mud. And he, of course, calls Martin Williams boy, mm-hmm. which is uncomfortable. And I think, kind of like what we're talking about, that very few actors could sell that and not make it totally unpalatable. If not for again, Harry Morgan's sort of cockeyed performances that you just feel like, all right, it's it's racist, but it's it's. I don't know. It doesn't feel hateful in some. I mean, maybe as a as a white guy, I don't have the the room to say that. But it just it doesn't come across as as awful as it more as it does. Just kind of clueless. Am I am I being too am I being too kind to General Steele? Well, I actually, well, in my mind, yes. I, I kind of, but but stay with me. Um, so one of my favorite shows ever is Strangers with Candy. Okay. And if you've ever watched Strangers with Candy, it's just filled with horrible people saying horrible things right it's hilarious you know maybe if you're not familiar with strangers with candy maybe cards against humanity is a good analogy to that and so like when people say horrible things like that like it does make me laugh because they're a horrible person now i don't agree with anything these people are saying right but it's just so atrocious that like it just makes me laugh like oh my god and that yeah. that actually is two favorite jokes, which you already talked about. But that's that's one of them. I I just like my eyes went open. I'm like, oh my god, I can't believe that. Yeah, it's a it's it's really kind of. And then later on, when Hawkeye and Trapper sing it, uh, they sing, "We all stand around. Uh, they all stand around, and we all give a shout." So obviously, that is the gentler version of it. Uh, but again, again, maybe I'm again being too nice and I don't want to spend too much time on this, but it's just that I don't get the sense that steel is like racist. Exactly. Like he treats, he treats the, the chopper pilot with respect until the, the thing about the number. Right. Um, but then he breaks into a number himself. But I mean, I don't get the sense that he's looking down on Williams or anything like that because he's African American. I think he's just, he's just sort of clueless. But again, oh, yeah, maybe I'm being that, a little yeah. too, being no, a little too kind to him. I don't think that at all. Yeah, uh, I do love Hawkeye ignoring Steel uh, for the sake of a patient. That's very on yeah, brand. Yeah. I just love that he just says, you know, I need that chopper to observe the move. And he's like, sorry, General. And I just love that he doesn't even pause for one moment. You know, it's like, no, this is this is for the betterment of the patient. I don't care what you need. Uh, and I also love when he retorts back and he says, you know, you're insolent, you're insubordinate, right? And you're nuts. And I love the way Harry Morgan, like, shrinks in his seat a little. Like, his his shoulders hunch down. Like, he realizes for the first time anyone – someone's actually told him that he's crazy. And I love that he kind of melts a little under Hawkeye's insult. I have that in my notes, yeah. Yeah, that was a great, great beat by him. 
Yeah, he just kind of like, whoa. He just, <laughs> just like he's really cut to the quick. And he's he really like no one's ever had the guts to, to say that to him before because he's a general. You know what I mean? He's never had that before, which is it's a, it's a great detail. So, um, so all right, well, we've been talking about favorite lines. So what is your other favorite joke from this episode? So my other favorite joke, and I'll actually cheat and give two of them. So I do love Not Now, Marjorie. I'm inspecting the troops. <laughs> because it is funny. And then you're thinking, well, wait a minute. What, why is he making that joke? Because he's right. making such a hard case. Now, the other one I love is when uh, they're getting ready because the general is coming. And... Uh, he looks in the mirror and he says, am I perfect? I want to be perfect. And Radar says, wait your lips. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. I love that, that Radar performs that service for him. Like he's like, you know, he's not just his company clerk, but he's like his, his little assistant and stuff. He's always, uh, you know, his valid. His valid. Yeah, exactly. That's the word I was looking for. It's like, it's his valid. Yeah. Uh, my favorite joke is actually, I love when Frank complains that his part of the swamp is neat and tidy. And he says, but the other parties who shall remain nameless live like swine. And then it's Hawkeye and Trapper in front of the, the, the scrub sink. And he says, Hawkeye, Hawkeye and Trapper, they're, they're cleaning up of the scrub sink, turn to each other, shake hands, and politely greet one another with. And then Hawkeye goes, Pierce. And Trapper goes, McIntyre. And then Hawkeye says, the swine brothers. <laughs> I love that when these two guys are in such a rhythm with each other that they can – like obviously they're responding to what Frank just said, so they had no time to rehearse, but they're immediately in sync with each other with the joke. I just love that. I love that the, the, the trapper knows how to respond to Pierce, Pierce McIntyre, the Swine Brothers. I just I laugh that every time. I think it's, it's so fantastic. I think something really similar to that is when Hawkeye and the nurse are leaving in their little banter about like. How about Baden Baden in Oh right, right. Dude. And she just goes with it and she's just so in sync with him. I I love I love that kind of flirting. Yeah. Yeah, where he's he's offering all these different locations and she's like, sorry, and he's like, How about the uh the supply tent at eight o'clock? And she's like, Yeah. And he's like, Okay, fine. And, go, <laughs> and then she's like, Are you bringing uh you bringing the the rich crackers? And he says, I can only get sold he, he says I can only get I forget what kind of crackers he says, but I'm salting them down. Yeah, yeah. I love that. And then she's Rye like, bread, I think. right, yeah. Like, and then, then she's like, uh, you thought of everything. And he's like, you, th- you think you'll find I'm pretty much all business. It's like <laughs> a slightly dirty joke there on uh, Hawkeye's part. So see, it's it's an amazing episode. And now this episode, the first one of the season three, uh, by this point, Mash had been moved again to another time slot uh, after after uh, using up the second season uh, was on Saturdays during that amazing block mm. of Mary Tyler Moore yeah. and Bob Newhart uh, and the Carol Burnett show and all in the family, they moved MASH to Tuesdays. But at this point, America had discovered the show and they followed it to Tuesdays. And MASH, after season two, became a massive hit and it just stayed a massive hit, uh, even though they kept moving it around the schedule. And so it just stayed there. And, of course, this is such a great one to start with because it is just hysterically funny. Uh, so, I mean, it's it's just a gangbusters uh, episode to kick off the season with. Uh, yeah, I, I think it's fantastic. Um, and it's it's a good it's a good beginner episode for people who maybe are just coming yeah. in the season. Yes, much like season two, the way that uh, the Divided We Fall uh, was was built by Larry Gelbart to be a, you know, kind of second pilot to reintroduce the characters. This kind of does that, too. It's a less formal, but it does have – I mean, it's got – Mulcahy's in it and Klinger's in it and we see all the relationships and, and um, the only one is Margaret is not in this that much. 
which is a little surprising. Uh, she just doesn't factor into it. She's in the scene in the inspection where he tells her to chest out, which, of course, she throws her chest out. Uh, but, I mean, she's, she generally has a relatively small role in this. And, of course, we would know later on that Loretta Swit and Harry Morgan became very, very close on the show. Yeah. And uh, I, I don't know if this is where they first met. I mean, I've, I've had Loretta on the show. Maybe if I could have the chance to have her on again, I could ask her that. But, uh, but, but you know, obviously, they became very close later on. But, uh, but yeah, she's, she's not in this one all that much. And, well, and also the scene um, in the beginning in the office with calisthenics. Oh, that's right. That's right. Yeah. The calisthenics. Oh, by the way, I did say that this was directed by Larry Gelbart, and I mentioned this in a previous episode that he directed, is that he does a couple of camera moves that you would typically not see on MASH, one of which is there is a scene that starts in the OR, and then it moves into the scrub room while Henry is talking because he's oh, talking yeah. about all the news. And the camera – simply pans across the wall. And so if you pause it, you will see the actual prop wall, yeah. uh, you know, the, the the width of the prop wall facing the camera. And it is one of the few times that MASH would ever have a shot that would, A, be any sort of, like, directorial flourish, but would also kind of uh, break the fourth wall, you know, yeah. kind of a literal ways, break the fourth wall a little bit and sort of reminding the audience that these are just sets that don't have another wall because all of a sudden you're like, wait a minute, we've crossed into how are we doing this? You, you, most of the time you don't want the camera to be reminding people that it is a camera that is doing something that it, that the human eye really can't do. That is, that's one of my pet peeves about uh, current filmmaking is all the CGI where they like zoom the camera into like a keyhole. And I'm like, well, mm-hmm. the camera can't, yeah. camera can't do that. You know, I don't, I, I don't, I don't, I tend to not like those shots. This goes by very quickly, uh, but it is one of the few times that they would do it, and Larry Gilbert seemed to do it. He seemed to, he was generally a writer, not a director. So maybe when he was directing these, he felt like he would just add a little bit of a visual flourish. But you see it there, uh, and I guess there's no real. I mean, I guess they could have cut. You could have had you know just cut from one room to the next. But for some reason, Harry Larry Gilbert just felt like let's just do a tracking shot and follow them into the next room. Yeah. Um, well, since we're since we're kind of talking about technical stuff, and this isn't really about the way the show is filmed, but. Um, when you watch when you watch Mash, Rob, yeah. how do you, how do you watch it? Um, I generally watch my DVDs. It's on Hulu, okay, good. Yep, or, yeah, okay, good. or and I also own it. Uh, I also own it on uh, App, uh, iTunes. My Apple, like I bought the entire series just because it just it sometimes it's, it's inconvenient to get the DVDs, so I'll just watch it. On, so it's either it's generally either the DVDs or via the iTunes. Okay, so I have the Mash box set, uh, Martinis of Medicine. Love right. it. Um, and whenever I watch it, I always watch the DVD and then I always pick, um, to watch the episode without the laugh track. Okay. Uh, and when I do the show, I tend to watch the show three times. Like the first time I watch it, I just watch it to enjoy it. And then the next two times I have a piece of paper and I write down stuff, but because of my schedule, the only way I could get three viewings in was to watch it on my phone and I okay. have Hulu as well. So I watched it on Hulu and like there's no way to get rid of the laugh track. And okay. after watching this for so long without a laugh track, watching it with a laugh track, oh my gosh, it was horrible. <laughs> and the aspect ratio is off. Like it's not in the four three T V aspect ratio. 
it's in the I guess what sixteen by nine. I've yeah, they've it. they've sort of letterboxed it, but uh. of course TV TV wasn't shot in letter shot in that ratio. So yeah, they they blow the image up. So the uh, often you'll see tops of heads getting cut off. Yep. Yeah, and 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 everyone's just so much like squatter. Yep, yep, yeah. Uh. That's unfortunate. I I don't know why they. Uh, I think we can adjust people. You know, I don't know why they feel the need to do that, but yeah, it's a uh, that is they've done that for The Simpsons too. That's the other thing they did for The Simpsons, and it, of course, it mm. alters the show when you're when you're reframing it all of a sudden. So yeah, it's uh, not the optimal way to to watch it. It's funny, I I grew up with it on the with the laugh track. So when I hear it without the laugh track, it actually sounds a little too quiet. Uh, but I also know that there are times where the, the the laugh track is for people who didn't grow up on laugh tracks. It's it's surreal to watch a show that is not a shot in front of an audience have a laugh track. Yeah. Cause you're like, but who are these people? Like who, where's this coming from? It's just, I just grew up with it. So I'm used to it, but yeah, it, it can be a little discordant. I grew up with a laugh track and, and that's, that's the way I originally saw match. Cause originally I showed, saw it in syndication and on CBS when it was on Monday nights. But, um, but yeah, now that, now that I have it without it, which I love that. Oh my gosh, going back to a left. Oh geez, it's horrible. <laughs> not working oh, for you? No way, not at all. Well, like I said, yeah. I mean, luckily you said in some places you can have that turn it off, and other places you can't, which is unfortunate. Again, the Hulu, the Hulu versions muck with the show in ways that I'm. I don't want to be super picky about, but like you know, the interview in color. Eh, no. So um, one other piece of MASH news uh, that happened in between season two and season three before we wrap up here is, of course, Gene Reynolds, uh, the great Gene Reynolds, one of the producers of the show, one of the creators, uh, passed away at uh, age 96. He died on February 3rd, 2020. Uh, He racked up eight Emmy wins and 22 uh, – he won six primetime Emmys and another eight wins for other awards and had 22 nominations. Um, his career stretched back all the way to like the 1940s, one of the great careers in Hollywood and from uh, everything I've ever heard about him, just an incredibly nice man, a gen- generously, uh, generous creatively, a generous in spirit. And obviously, you know, we wouldn't have MASH if not for him. And, you know, I, I, I don't ever, I don't ever want to, um, underscore the sadness of someone who passes away but i mean what an extraordinary life mm-hmm. i mean what a great life to have lived to be 96 and to have gone and to see so many to have been part of so many great things so i did want to just mention that before we move on and to get deeper into season three that we did lose uh gene reynolds and said rest in peace uh, dear sir thank you so much for for all the great work so so yeah that is pretty much going to do it for this inaugural episode of season three of mashcast sean you know I always enjoy talking to you, and I'm really so happy I could get you back on for Season 3 here of MASH. Absolutely. I love it. I, I can't wait to hear what everyone else thinks of the episode. Yeah, there's a lot of really great ones coming. And like you, my favorites are actually still to come further deep into the series. So, yeah, we're going to be we're humming along here. So uh, thanks, everybody, for listening. Of course, uh, you can follow MASH uh, on our website, firewaterpodcast.com. We are on uh, Spotify. You can listen to us on Spotify now. We're on Stitcher, as always. We're always talking MASH over on Twitter at mash 477 cast and of course if you want to support the fire and water podcast network go to patreon.com slash fw podcast and there you can unlock various rewards one of which is to be name checked on a show of your choice so big special thanks to adam sanders nicholas prom russell burbage and suzanne holland for their support of MASHcast. so that is gonna do it for this episode we're back but we'll be back next week with season two uh episode two excuse me of season three so that is going to do it so until then that is all
General, this is Captain McIntyre, one of our really fine surgeons. Surgeon. Doctor, eh? Not yet. My brother contacted yellow fever during the digging of the Panama Canal. Now, you should have called me sooner, sir.